get to another episode of Theology Doesn't Suck, where theology doesn't suck and also the Washington Capitals don't suck. With you today, as always, is one of your hosts, the one who loves the far superior hockey team, Josh Patterson. And with me, as always, again, is Marty Frederick, who loves a less superior hockey team, but we still love Marty. How's it going, Marty? Hey, man, I'm doing great. I just want to remind you that your hockey team has only won one Stanley Cup. Um, just wanted to point that out. And uh, it came on a year where, like, everyone kind of gave up on purpose and let the Caps win. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what I saw in any way as things were happening throughout that season. I mean, you know, teams were like, okay, fine. Like, you guys have been crying about this for years. Like, you know, you make the playoffs and you can't finish. You make the playoffs, you can't finish. So finally people were like, okay, fine. We'll just let you in one. Mm, That's, yeah, okay. Well, I I do have a point. I mean, technically any team who has won the Stanley Cup has only ever won one cup because there is only one Stanley Cup. It's not yes. the like the the Lombardi Trophy or whatever that they just make new ones all the freaking time. There's only yeah, yeah. one of one Stanley Cup. But it, but but when you've won the cup, <laughs> you've won it multiple times. Multiple times. I got you. Just once. I know. So how about this? Your plaque is only on the cup one time. Mm. Your name is only on there once. That's a more accurate statement. And as much as you have a crush on Alex Ovechkin. Um, <laughs> You, you do realize that Taves and Kane are the superior hockey players, right? Are you sure? Yeah. You, can you back that up statistically? Um, well, we just look up Patrick no. Kane's statistics, and Patrick Kane consistently has incredible seasons that surpass, like, you know, 99% of the players in the, in the NHL. You can't argue against that. No, and we can I'm, argue that Patrick Kane is a phenomenal player, but as far as just pure goal scorers go, I don't think anybody is a better goal scorer than Alex Ovechkin in the league. I think Patrick Kane would say Alex Ovechkin's a great player, but he's not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patrick but, Kane is probably like the best U.S. born player ever, right? Uh, well, he's not born in the U.S., he's Canadian. What? Oh, I blew it. I thought, no, wait, I'm, he was born in Buffalo. That's Taves yeah, from Canada, Yeah, Taves right? is Canadian. Yeah, I was and all say. these all these people that listen to the podcast that are like, like hockey fans just like us are probably like, man, this guy Marty, he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. And then the other people who are like, don't care about hockey are like, hey guys, shut the hell up and talk about theology. Well, you know the other the other we we, we could talk about a different sport, Josh. Eh. Like what? Football? My so my favorite sport, even above basketball, even above football, even above hockey. Can you take curling? a curling? No. Uh, Has nothing to do with ice. Water polo. Nothing to do with water. Cricket. No. Croquet. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're getting into games now. Um, uh, my my favorite sport is tennis. Ah. Uh, I played tennis since I was a really little kid, and uh, my favorite tennis player is Rafael Nadal, who just recently won his 12th French Open. Wow. So we're talking about the Blackhawks, you know, winning the Stanley Cup three times over the course of, you know, of, of about a decade. You know, we're talking about the Capitals winning the Cup once, but 
Rafael Nadal has won the French Open 12 different times. He's only lost two matches out of over, I think it's just about 100 matches that he's played at the French Open. So if you take, if you were to take any hockey team or football team or basketball team or curling team and say, <laughs> hey, is your, is your curling overall, team. Is your overall record ratio two losses to over 100 victories? Because that's what it is for Rafael Nadal. So if we want to talk about, like, actual dynasty and actual, like, just owning competition in some way, shape, or form, I think that describes a pretty good ownership of competition. That's pretty fair. It's like he has a monopoly or something. Oh, man. You tired, Josh? I was yawning a little bit there. Yeah. So what you guys don't know is Josh and I record these episodes in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. right now. It's 2 a.m. and we're recording podcasts. Um, that's may or may not be true, um, but we're going to let you guys <laughs> decide if it's 2 a.m. or if it's 2 p.m. or whatever it is. Uh, so, well, Josh, we have a really cool conversation today. Um, that we'd like to have. And uh, this conversation, Josh, is going to kind of set up the next couple episodes uh, that we're going to have on the podcast. Some might even call uh, what it is we're talking about over the next three weeks a mini-series. Is that, would, would, is that fair? Is that podcast lingo? I don't know if it's podcast lingo, but it's it's lingo. <laughs> We, well, like, you know what? We're in charge around here. We can call it whatever we want. So if we want to call it a miniseries, we'll call it a miniseries. We're going to call it a miniseries. And we're going to declare that miniseries is official podcast lingo on the Theology Doesn't Suck podcast. So Sweet. whether you whether you know anything about, you know, like the theology of podcasting or whatever it is, maybe you have a degree <laughs> in podcasting. Theology of podcasting. <laughs> I need to write a book about that. That you should. Um, so, uh, anyway, this mini series, uh, that we're going to be kicking off with, with this week, as well as the next two weeks, um, is on missions and the idea of being on mission, uh, whether it's local mission, whether it's national mission, whether it's international mission, uh, or maybe the different ways that missions looks, um, we have some really great interviews with two awesome guests that, um, and over the next two weeks that, uh, they're doing missions, but they're doing it in a much different way uh, than most people may look at missions. It's really unique, and it's reaching uh, areas of you know, like maybe smaller niches of things that, like, someone might say, oh, well, like, I mean, I don't really need to reach people that way. I can reach them this way or that way. Uh, our first guest, uh, our first uh, special guest next week uh, is going to talk about things in a way that is, like, super unique. Uh, like, it's, like, really the first I'd ever heard of something like this. Uh, but it was really cool. It's a, a good friend of Josh's. Um, and so then the week after that, uh, we're going to give you uh, the aspect of some sort of tool that you could use uh, for your own personal missions uh, going forward uh, as you kind of decide and realize that missions is something you need to do. Um, so, Josh, I'm going to make a really bold statement. Okay. And... After I make the bold statement, I want you to react to that bold statement and tell me uh, if you agree, if you disagree, uh, if I'm a heretic, or if this is maybe like totally new. If I'm like make if I'm breaking ground here, are you ready? Okay. Yeah. 
bold statement. If you are a Christ follower, you do not have a choice about whether or not to participate in missions. <gasps> Gasp! Bam, bam, bam! Right here is the part where our our uh, our awesome editor of podcasts, Matt, our producer, puts in huge theme music. So that's it, Matt. So Josh, what's your <laughs> <laughs> Josh? What's your what's your take on my bold statement? I think it's absolutely true. I mean, if you take Jesus seriously, it's absolutely true. If you take the Great Commission seriously, it's absolutely true. If you take uh, our the purpose that we were created for seriously that's absolutely true um i think where some people might get into troubles is uh we did this episode a while back with a guy called bruxy Cavey. he's a pastor and he had somebody approach him because bruxy was about to preach about the gospel and the guy was like oh well are you a cross guy or are you a crown guy kind of like are you going to talk about penal substitutionary atonement or are you going to talk about, like, social justice issues, you know, kingdom of God, blah, blah, blah. And Bruxy was like, oh, well, why do they have to be separate? And so, uh, absolutely, yes, all Christians are missionaries. If you are a follower of Christ, you are a missionary. So, yes, I agree with you, Marty. Great. So, my bold statement maybe isn't too bold. Um, however, for some of you, it may be. Uh, for some of you... Um, Maybe even without realizing it. So I'm going to give all of our listeners who heard that bold statement and were taken aback uh, the benefit of the doubt. And maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt uh, and, and have it be that maybe for you, you have participated in your church culture. Uh, maybe your church culture sends short-term missions out maybe once a year. Maybe you guys send them out once a, once every four years. Maybe it's once every two um, maybe you do different things as far as international or national or local. And maybe it's really easy for you to see the big, huge trips with fundraising and money that has to be raised and communication in that type of way as missions. And maybe that's easy. Maybe you're saying like, hey, you know, when someone actually leaves this area, goes someplace away from here that's not close by that is maybe not as financially astute uh, as we are. And then they go and they serve there for a week or two or maybe three, and then they come back. Maybe that is your view of missions. Mm. Um, maybe your view of missions is something that is probably near and dear to Josh's heart. Uh, maybe your view of missions is youth groups that <laughs> get in a van or get into multiple vans and drive somewhere in our country um, you know, right here in the United States, and they set up in a church basement with sleeping bags and all sorts of stuff like that, and they paint a church, and they do a vacation Bible school, and maybe that's missions to you. Um, but maybe you're the person that says, you know what, I'm going to support those people. I'm going to I'm going to help them financially. I'm going to help them by praying for them. Uh, but listen, that's it. That's all that missions involves. Um, Josh, I think there's one other way that we can be missionaries. Um, okay. And uh, I, I want to maybe I'm going to maybe put you on the spot. And all I'm right. gonna I'm gonna ask you to guess what the third way of missions might be. I know this is super cheesy, and so I'm just I'm I'm trying to play up the cheese aspect of what I'm talking about here. 
my guess would be, hey, Marty, would you like a damn granola bar? <laughs> but you didn't expect that answer, did you? I did not expect that answer, but I. But maybe at this point, as I've gotten to know you better over the last few years, I should just expect anything. Yeah, so. that's fair. No, I. Um. Well, I think I kind of know because we talked about it before the show. Is that am I on the right track? I don't want to get it wrong and look stupid in front of our listeners. I mean, some of them probably already think I'm stupid, but I'm just saying. <laughs> no, you you were on the right track with your granola bar thought process. So ah, really? Continue down the path. Uh, are we going to talk about like uh, some kind of evangelism as mission idea? Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, like the idea of just kind of local missions. Uh, ah, and like yes. what And kind of what we would do in our own communities. Um, and so I think... A lot for a lot of us, missions looks like the team going away. Mm-hmm. Missions looks mm-hmm. like a big, huge event that we have to spend months and months and months and months and months planning for. But missions doesn't always look like, you know, going down to a local soup kitchen and serving there. Missions sure. doesn't look like, um, you know, going out and you know, doing something with your church. Maybe it's a church event in the community that you're going to go into. You're not going to descend on that thing like, you know, crazy people uh, all wearing the same T-shirt and, you know, bothering people <laughs> and just trying to get them to come to your specific church and get them to come. I mean, maybe that looks that way. But I, for me, what I think local missions is, is simply just your church being a body of the community. Uh, and being a yeah. part of the community in a way that is noticeable and tangible and measurable. So I'll put it in the simplest terms I can put it. And local missions to me is when somebody says, hey, have you ever heard of X, Y, or Z church? Most people in your community could say they've heard of your church and not simply because they've seen your sign, but because they've seen you out in the community. Mm. Sure. Um, and so, Josh, can you talk about um, in your experience? Uh, so I know you've done a lot of youth work. You've done different things like that. What What are some of the ways that like your specific ministry experiences have uh, sort of met those missions uh, visions? So maybe local, national, international, like what are some of the ex- experiences you've had with missions? Sure. So um, I personally have never been out of the country on like a mission trip um in that regard however uh noelle and i have some friends uh that are missionaries uh that we support and so we have we have good friends you know all over the place um actually one of the people i would make a really good guest uh to get on sometime marty his name's luke miller uh him and his wife our missionaries, uh, super cool people. We've uh, we had a, a missionary on the podcast a while back. If you go way back into the archives, there's an episode with a guy called Matt von Herbulus. Uh, him and his wife are, are missionaries in Uganda, um, and Noel and I uh, it just supported them in kind of a unique way uh, because we we uh, got something in return. Um, the there are these really beautiful handmade baskets. Uh, that the people in Uganda make, and and uh, our friend Carly um, was going to get some for people, and so we uh, gave money to Carly that would then go into the community to help support the local farmers and you know people there, mm. and then in in return we did get some baskets, but that's you know still something 
uh, like that. And then, of course, you know, I've been in churches where we had missionaries that um, lived in different countries or we would send people out to, you know, wherever. Um, within the country, um, we have, I've, you know, been a part of different things like uh, going, you know, going to a different state and helping out, like kind of like what you were talking about, like a little church, like get painted or reconstruct something. Um, you know, or, or, you know, feeding homeless or, or something like that. Um, and then also, I guess, locally, um, the same kind of stuff, like working in soup kitchens, uh, feeding the homeless, um, you know, doing VBS. I know one time when I was in youth group as a participant, uh, one, <laughs> it's really weird, one quote-unquote mission thing that we did uh, was during the 30-hour famine, which the 30-hour famine is when you don't eat for 30 hours, makes sense, um, mm -hmm. to kind of help raise money uh, for impoverished nations. And so during the 30-hour famine, though, you don't just sit on your butt. You go out and you do missions projects within your local community. That's kind of part of the gig. And so we actually went to a local zoo. Like this family owned a zoo on their own private property. Does oh, that cool. make sense? Like they, yeah. yeah, like their backyard was a zoo. And so we went there. And we helped them like clean out animal cages and clean up their property and like clean the equipment for the children to play on. Like we did a whole bunch of work for them. Uh, so that was a local thing. And then, dude, it was so hard. They gave us, they ordered a whole bunch of pizzas for us that we then had to take with us in the van and we couldn't eat them. So we're oh, driving wow. in the summer in a van with no air conditioning with pizza just like filling our nostrils wow <laughs> so that's and so because it was the 30 hour famine and you we guys couldn't were eat doing it. this work for that you couldn't eat it yeah but we did eat it later once the famine broke we had a big feast see well then those people they, they probably knew they were just trying to help you out sure <laughs> well <laughs> when you when you were referring to a backyard a zoo in their backyard i thought you were just talking about when my kids go outside to play oh yeah um, that too which, very similar sometimes you can hear screaming happening and you don't know what that was for <laughs> yeah. and you go outside and like the other day i this is a total departure from our emissions conversation but i went outside and uh my son was pushing the other son in a wagon and the so my oldest son is nine and the, my youngest is four and the four-year-old was riding in the wagon and the nine-year-old was pulling the wagon and so as my oldest son would pull the wagon, the, the youngest one would scream, stop, 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 because he was scared. But then as soon as he'd stop, he'd say, okay, go again. But then when he'd, <laughs> when he'd scream, the scream wasn't just kind of like, you know, like, ah. Uh, it was like blood-curdling, someone had just been stabbed to death type scream. Wow. And so when you said zoo, that's kind of what I picture. Like, it's my life every day. Yeah, so part, part of the local missions that you can do is uh, watch Marty's kids babysit <laughs> for Marty and Caitlin. Which when Josh and I lived by each other, they did that every once in a while. We uh, did. He and his wife did come over for one of our my wife and I's anniversaries, and they, they watched our kids so we could go get Cold Stone ice cream together. True story, so, and that's mission work right there. Mission. It was, well, I mean, my kids were sleeping. <laughs> so their form of mission work was they had to watch Netflix for an hour and a half while we went out. Um, but uh, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back on track here. Um, Josh, I really like that the the way that you kind of talked about missions in you know what, what was interesting to me was as you were talking about missions, you were talking about it in a way 
that it was like, we got to go do this. We got to go be a part of this events or these things that are happening. And, you know, those were ways that as you were doing those things, Christ was being a light in that community. Uh, even if it was just for that family in their backyard, like the reality is like that, that seems so small time to some people, but to those people that you were helping, that was such a big deal. Uh, mm. And they were probably like ecstatic that there was all these kids that were going to come over and they were going to do all this work uh, in their at their house. Um, I mean, and, and so, um, yeah. So I I think when when we think about local missions, I think there it it has many ways. It looks looks a lot differently. My church is uh, recently doing this thing. So anyone that's from the Chicago area and perhaps other areas, I've just never been around uh, these other areas to know. Um, it, there's in the Chicago area. There's something called the Taste of Chicago every summer. Is there something like that in Maryland, Josh? Like, um, I'm sure there is. Uh, Maryland does like to party a lot, so I'm sure there there definitely is <laughs> <laughs> something like so, that. So, Taste of Chicago, um, literally is you know there's a bunch of different restaurants, like the biggest restaurants, the best restaurants, and then like little shops and little, you know, and then stores that operate out of Chicago will all kind of go to this place. At least when I was a kid, it was in a place called Grant Park in Chicago. And they would set up booths and you could get food. You could, there was music, like live music. There's all sorts of great stuff. And so what some of the local communities began doing is they started doing their own version of the Taste of Chicago. And so um, my current church uh, is recently, is soon going to be a part of something called the Taste of Gray's Lake. Uh, which is essentially the taste of Chicago, just at a much smaller level. And then after the taste of Gray's Lake, at the end, there's fireworks. Um, and so what we've done is we've gone to the taste of Gray's Lake. We've had a booth and, you know, we've just simply been there giving out free bottles of water to people on a hot summer day. Uh, and if people have questions about our church, we happily answer those questions. And, you know, and so what we do is we have um, as many people from our church that sort of have that bubbly missions mindset. And what I mean by bubbly is like, it's not what the, the person that maybe necessarily doesn't always feel as comfortable as the one that says, I want to sit behind the booth and I don't want to talk to anyone unless they come and talk to me. I want to sit at a chair and I want to wait for the person to approach me. The people that really succeed at those types of things are the ones that are standing outside the tent and they're mm. waiting for people. And as people come by, they say, Hey, how are you? Would you like a free bottle of water? And they kind of have this attitude of, I want to begin a conversation with you, but I'm not going to force it on you. I'm just going to be a part of your life for this brief moment. Um, and so this past Sunday at our church, we did a commissioning for our Mexico missions team, which is leaving. Uh, and uh, as you are all listening to this podcast on Wednesday, I will be getting ready to leave to go to Mexico on Friday. Um, and so, but at the same time, we're preparing to be a part of the Taste of Grace Lake. And so we've got this international missions bit that we're focusing on as a church and we're leading our people towards. But then we've also got this local missions bit that we're leading our people towards. And so the drive for that is maybe you're not, maybe you don't feel called to get up and go to somewhere international uh, and, and be a part of that. Uh, but maybe you do feel called to be a part of something. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, if we're Christ followers, the bold statement is uh, you must be missions minded. 
Uh, mm -hmm. you, you have no option. Christ did not leave us the option. He didn't say in the Great Commission, if you want, spread the name of Jesus around the world and go, <laughs> go around baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but only if you really feel like it. Uh, what mm. he said was, go and spread the name of, uh, spread my name, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so my bold statement of number, my number one bold statement is, uh, you must be missions minded if you are a Christ follower. Um, you have no choice. Um, and so what I would encourage everyone listening to do is to figure out what that missions mindset looks like. Um, as Josh, you mentioned, you've never been international. Um, whereas I have now, this will now be my fourth international trip I've taken. Um, so uh, it, it just depends on the person. Uh, it depends yeah. on who you are. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I think I, I like that you brought up uh, the Great Commission. And also there's a – I don't know if you're familiar with this book, Marty, but there's a guy – you've heard of Dallas Willard before, right? Yes. Yeah. He has a book called The Great Omission uh, where he kind of talks about – it's more about discipleship um, and how we've kind of made that optional. But anyway, uh, that's a great book. Listeners, check it out, The Great Omission. But The Great Commission um, from Jesus, I just thought maybe it would be helpful to just – uh, to If I go ahead and read that, um, are you cool with that, Marty? Do it. Yeah, so I'm reading, uh, this is Matthew 28. I'm going to do 16 uh, through 20, uh, and I am reading out of the ESV for all of our good Reformed brothers and sisters. Uh, yes. uh, you can at least respect that the, bo the Bible that I read regularly and the Bible that I teach my students out of is an ESV. So <laughs> at least show me some love there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, the Great Commission is this. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, quote, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Marty, something uh, interesting that I wanted to point out here, and I'm, sh I'm sure you already know this because you have a seminary degree. Um, <laughs> mention it in every episode, Josh. Yeah. You need to mention that in every episode. <laughs> I like it. That'll be your thing. We'll reference, I'll bitterly reference that, but then secretly get my uh, seminary degree behind your back and then I'll have it and I'll be like, yeah, I got it. Anyway, um, that bit in there, I think, I think this will help with your bold statement, Marty. That bit in there, verse 19, where it says, Go therefore and make disciples, uh, a better translation of that would actually be, As you are going. Yeah. As you are going, do these things. So it's not this idea of uh, we wake up one day and throw in a Christian t shirt and go do missions, and then we come home, take off our Christian t shirt, and we're, we call it, you know, we check that box, great. It's more so as you are going. So it's like wearing that Christian t-shirt every single day, every single moment, every hour of your life, no matter what you're doing, as you are going, as you're going yeah. about your day, as you're going about your job, as you're going about, you know, going to McDonald's to get French fries, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> as you are going, make disciples of all nations. Um, and I think that's really helpful. And then also I love the promise 
that is also a part of the Great Commission. Um, but it also, I think it helps ground us, but it also gives us humility. Uh, you know, that I am with you always till the end of the age. So in missions, we're never alone. We're with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But more importantly, uh, Christ Jesus is present with us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it is him that is working in us and through us. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, I agree, man. Thanks for that. And uh, another another point of scripture, just to mention before I, I kind of talk about this next uh, aspect of missions, uh, is in Acts 1, uh, specifically starting in Acts 1, verse 6. Uh, this is also from the ESV, Josh, just for you. Um, it <laughs> says, uh, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But here's verse 8, which is really, really great when it comes to missions. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mm. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So literally the last thing that Jesus calls us to do as Christians when he's on earth before going into heaven and ascending away, like literally before the ascension, the last thing he commands us to do is to be missional in mindset. <laughs> sure. And so like, you know, you've always, you've always heard that idea, like you want to, you want to go out on top, right? And uh, I remember reading an interview or see, listening to an interview with Jerry Seinfeld uh, about the show Seinfeld, of course. And uh, somebody had asked him, they said, listen, you had like the most popular show on TV at the time. And like some would call Seinfeld the greatest <laughs> sitcom of all time. And if you don't agree with that, you probably would could at least appreciate it's probably like top five, maybe top ten, no doubt. Um, and yeah. uh, Seinfeld said the reason we stopped at the end of that season was because we had at that at that time the ratings that were the best that we had ever experienced and we didn't want to go into that position where we did four or five more seasons but people stopped wanting to watch and so <laughs> now we had been like you know we had we had hit the top and then we had like dropped off completely and then like well I guess we better stop instead they stopped at the end or, or at the point where they were at the at the at the pinnacle of what they were and I feel like that's kind of what Christ is saying here is like you know, it's not, he's not talking about Seinfeld, of course, but he's got this idea that like, you know, <laughs> the last thing I'm going to tell you is going to be the most important thing I'm going to say to you. Yeah. You know, and so he says, you know, uh, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's local missions. And in all Judea and Samaria, that's national missions. And then to the ends of the earth. So that's, don't just stop there. Don't just give up and say, okay, we've spread the gospel to everyone in our nation, so now we're good. We can give up. No, Christ doesn't want that movement to end there. And this, I really honestly, it's it's hard for me to even call Christianity a movement because if you think about it, Christianity has continued to grow. It's mm -hmm. continued to go on. If you think about right after this, the day of Pentecost happens, and then after that, the body of believers of Christ continued to grow exponentially. And now it's over 2,000 years later or so, and people are still coming to faith in Christ. The, the words of the Bible are still true. And so I, I just think that that Acts, that Acts passage really fits really well with what Jesus said in the Great Commission. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, so then here's the other thought process I wanted to give, get your opinion on, Josh. I've also heard people say things when it comes to international missions. They've said things like, hey, you know, listen, when I go overseas and serve, 
I'm really getting a chance to bless those people with a little bit of like what it what it means to be me or to mm. be civilized or to be uh, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Uh, us, <laughs> as you and, and so um, I think as Americans particularly, and maybe this is true for some of our European listeners or some of our uh, listeners from outside of the of America so if it, or the U.S., so if it's true, um, maybe just send us an email and let us know so we can kind of uh, continue to perpetuate this thought process that I think is really valid. Um, Americans have this 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 feeling it's almost this paternal instinct that we're going to go to some broken area of the of the world and we're going to go there with our money we're going to go there with our wisdom we're going to go there with our special tools we're going to go there with our our just amazingness as a country and we're going to solve all the problems <laughs> that these people have um, and so you see that in like, you know, if you think about like all the way back to mission is, is if you think about like, you know, the Spanish conquistadors and yeah. like, these people that took missions to Mexico and to Central America and to South America, their goal was to go and to bring Christianity, well, really Catholicism, Christianity to these uncivilized brutes that lived in huts and tents and couldn't possibly know Jesus. But when they were finished with them, the goal was to get them technologically advanced, was to make them Western, essentially, and was hmm. to bring them sort of, quote unquote, up to code. And so us Americans somehow have this same uh, almost manifest destiny thought process that we're going to go and where we are going to better these other people and these huh. other places, this paternal instinct. So, Josh, I want to kind of maybe hear your thoughts on that and um, see what you kind of think on that, because I, because I think that it's for someone that's gone to an international mission on an international trip in some way where it's been this like. Uh, maybe, maybe you've gone to what we would call a third world country or a place that's just lesser uh, or a place that isn't as well off as us. They don't get to go to Starbucks um, every you know, two, two, three times a day. They don't get to sit in front of a MacBook Pro and record a podcast uh, once a week. Hmm. Uh, like they don't get they, they don't. It's not that they don't get to, but they really want to. It's that for some of those people, they don't get to because they don't even know it's a thing. Right. It's not even a possibility for them because they don't even realize that that's something that people do. So I'm curious to hear from you. What what's your thought on that paternal instinct that, you know, maybe Americans and other cultures may have? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, oftentimes, you know, when I so, for example, I hang out or I listen to I'm a part of a community of people who have been hurt by the church um, called the Bad Christian Podcast. I'm in the BC Club. Um, I don't you know, necessarily agree with everything that Bad Christian puts out. I do love the podcast. That's well known. Um, but I, I think the community that is there in the BC Club is some of the most authentic Christian community uh, that's out there. Anyway, um, part of one thing that they talk about or that I've seen come up is the, exactly what you're saying, is that within the realm of missions, they feel like we have this superiority complex that we're going to go out, that like the white man is going to go and like, be the savior of the world. And I think uh, there's a danger to that for sure. Um, like we often see uh, like people will, will criticize and make critiques about like um, 
people going on mission trips just so they can get like a picture with you know a bunch of little like african kids or something yeah and like you know it's like oh the white girl like with her like nice clothes on with all the like little african children and like it seems like a good thing but then also like what there's something that doesn't feel quite right about it it feels kind of off not that we shouldn't be trying to help people or anything like that um but something just doesn't quite seem right there so i think ultimately what we have to realize is that uh none of us are the savior of the world you know america doesn't have the answers uh canada england france whoever none of them have the answers we're not the savior of the world the only person that is the savior of the world is christ jesus and i think we need to have Mm -hmm. a moment of humility to realize that even though we may have fancier stuff we might have macbook pros or we might have you know whatever democracy um that we are not the saviors of the world um and there has to be yeah. some kind of level of humility. There has to be some kind of uh, – we can't, like, go on missions to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Like, we we have to check our hearts constantly. We have to check ourselves um, and really see the motivation behind what we're doing. And I know I'm kind of rambling because uh, I think what you asked is a big question, and it's one that we know feels wrong. Like, you know that something doesn't feel right but you might not necessarily be able to expound fully upon why, if that makes sense. So I'm interested in what your thoughts are, Marty. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I really like what you had to say there, the the idea that, like, we aren't the saviors of the world. Um, we aren't the saviors of anything. Um, you know, there's we, Americans have this complex that, like, we believe that like we can go in and solve issues you know whenever there's like this this like i mean i know that i'm gonna really be hitting a chord with you josh here but like whenever there's like a military conflict in some small country you know americans feel like we can swoop in and we can solve all the problems yeah uh, with our uh, with our might and our money and like how awesome we are and like oftentimes what winds up happening with that is you know we wind up putting ourselves in a position where we just look dumb Mm. and people don't like that like other these people these other countries they don't like when we swoop in and try to solve their issues yeah uh, now sometimes they do ask for our help and i think that's different but you know i, I can think of as a kid i remember uh troops had been sent bill clinton sent troop to troops to somalia um, and, you know, I, as a kid, I didn't quite understand all of what was going on, but a lot of the pictures that were coming back was this humanitarian aid where they were, American troops were bringing food into the country and helping these people who had nothing, uh, have something to eat and be, be able to like survive. So mm-hmm. as a kid, I was like, oh man, like America, we're awesome. Like we do all these really <laughs> great things for all these other people. But then you start to learn that like, you know, there are other reasons that they were there and sure. that, like that maybe you didn't necessarily agree with all these other reasons. Um, so all, all that to be said, um, my, my personal view and thought process on this whole thing is like, we can't go on a mission trip short term and say, I'm going to show up in this place and the awesome gifts that I have are going to bless people so much. <laughs> and these people are going to be so glad that I was there. And the reason we can't do that is because even though that may be, that may wind up being true, <laughs> like that may wind up being what happens. You, you, sometimes you go to these places um, 
and you and you meet people. Like I remember I one one of the times I went to Mexico, um, I wound up having a conversation with one of these high school students from Mexico that lived in this little 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 town that we were visiting, and he played electric guitar, and he loved playing electric guitar with worship music and he had an amplifier and he had a guitar and he had pedals and all this stuff. And so like, he just loved doing that. And it was just a really, really, really cool conversation that we wound up having. I didn't fix anything in his life Mm -hmm. except for I began a relationship with him that was deeper and I'm still friends with him. Now we still communicate, you know, via social media and those types of things. And I can tell you right now, if I ever go back to Oaxaca, I'm going to go visit him <laughs> just, just for the fact that like, why not? Like if I'm there, I'm going to go say hello. Yeah. Uh, his name's Willie. Uh, Willie was awesome. And then we did a concert one night, um, just out like in their, in the courtyard of their church. And it was one of the most fun things I've ever done was worshiping. I'm playing guitar acoustically. He's playing electric guitar and we didn't speak the same language, but we were still worshiping the Lord together, and that was awesome. Um, and so I think even though it may be true that our money can solve a lot of problems for people in these other places, um, our presence can – like we can literally bring somebody that's a carpenter, and we can literally build something for these people that they really need. And so in like this practical level, I feel like it's really easy to to miss the idea like, oh, we are doing this practical thing. So we must be the people that can fix things and solve things for people. But I think where we where we miss the boat is that we are being sent by Christ Mm. to these people. And we're going out into the world because Christ is asking us to go out and, and spread the gospel. So when we go to these places, we're not going there to solve problems. We're not going there to uh, feed people, although we might be doing those things. We're going there with a mindset of, I am here to do whatever Jesus wants me to do for in this place. And I can tell you, on every international mission trip that I have gone on and every national trip that I've gone, every local trip I've gone on, every missions, whatever I've done, I have walked away from it saying like, man, like I almost feel like I was blessed more Mm, sure, by what, by what Christ did. And Granted, like, that's my own perception because people all would be like, oh, no, no. Like, of course, we were blessed, too. And it was so we're so glad you came. But, like, the perspective is that, like, people don't realize if you're attuned, in tune to what Jesus wants to do through you, you're going to find that you're going to be moved by the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. blessed by the Holy Spirit and put in a place where, like, Jesus is going to do work in you, too. Sure. Um, so I, I guess that's, that's my answer to my own question. Yeah, no, I think... <laughs> That's good. And something that, like, kind of you sparked, Marty, was, well, two things. First, something I didn't ever think about in this way before. We talked about international missions and how, like, we feel like, oh, we're Americans or we're whoever and we can go help these people. It seems like to me, the king, so the kingdom of God transcends borders. And so if, if yeah. so, you know, I've talked about this before, being ambassadors and all that kind of stuff. And um, the kingdom of God is, is, is a global kingdom. Um, that yeah. encompasses everybody and anybody. And so it almost seems to that like there's this element of you, cause you were talking about relationship building. It just seems like there's this element of building relationships with the body of Christ globally. That yeah. just makes sense because of yeah. the, the very nature of the kingdom of God, but also, um, 
So that was just a thought I had that can, you know, I'd be interested to ponder that later. Uh, but something else you were talking and it made me think I've heard a critique before uh, and, and missionaries have, have said this, that they're more interested in making a deep footprint than many footprints or like a very yeah. deep and wide footprint rather than just like a shallow thing. Because sometimes yeah. just showing up somewhere and then disappearing uh, isn't necessarily the most helpful thing to do uh, to do. And so what do you what do you think about that? What are your thoughts there? Yeah. So the the quote that that I've heard with that is very similar. What you said is we would rather make a smaller, deeper footprint than a wider, shallower footprint. Mm, that's what it and, is right on. And yeah. And kind of what that means is, you know, we want to make a, an impact relationally. And that's the key word there. An impact relationally is in we build relationship with it with somebody or a group of people. We want to build a deep foundational real relationship with a with a small number of people and focus our energy on that rather than thinking with this paternal mindset that we are going to spread relationship completely around the world and mm -hmm. so here's here's the idea there's no possible way that i could have an impact in my lifetime on in, in in a deep enough way where like it's 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 true relationship it's real relationship where it's a partnering kind of a thing with every single group of individuals around the globe that needs that support it would be impossible for me to do that mm, but it mm -hmm. would be possible for me to say hey listen first of all i can think of what there's a couple different ways you can say well i'm really passionate about x y or z and so i want to make an impact in that community or in that field. So for me, it's coffee. I love coffee. Um, and, and so like, maybe that's for me, I said, Hey, I'm going to do something missional that is going to support coffee growers, uh, in central or Southern America or Africa or something like that. But I'm not going to, I can't do every person that grows coffee. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to do that because yeah. first of all, I don't, I even, I don't have those resources. This Mr. Fancy American with my MacBook Pro and my own car and my house and all those things, even I don't have the resources to impact every single person and every single family and community that wants to grow coffee and do it well. But I can find someone that I really want to get behind, and then now I can build a deep footprint with that group of individuals and build a great relationship and you know try to build advocacy for those people as much as I can, but know that like my church, my group, the people that are behind me with that, we're going to grow relationship with that group of people, mm -hmm. but we're not going to try to pretend like we can do it for everyone. Yeah. Um, and so that shallow footprint, I will say, and I will warn, and I will be honest when I say this, there are many churches out there that support hundreds of missionaries, and they literally make a small footprint with those people. Because the reality is you're not going to send a mission team every year to visit 100 different people. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. Right. Uh, now, maybe one group, like one person could or like a couple could, like they could say like, hey, our, all we're going to do all year long is travel and, and support missionaries and visit people around the globe. And so like that's a little bit different. But if you're a, if you're a church body, what my challenge to you would be if you're a pastor and you're thinking about your missions and how missions looks for you, my personal challenge for you would be to say, listen, we can't support 50 people. Can we support five really, really well? Yeah, really well. 
And can we and can we build relationships? So what what I think relationship looks like is this, um, you know, maybe you send a team to visit them, but maybe the next year you help those same people come and visit you. And they come and they visit your congregation and they they help do the worship service on a Sunday. Maybe you do events uh, in the community that week around that culture and that community that lives where you live. So like to give you an example, uh, when I was uh, a, a youth pastor, um, I was also heavily involved in our missions. And so we had begun a relationship through our denomination with uh, a really, really, really great missions family uh, named the Amaros, and they're they're in Oaxaca, Mexico, and uh, we were building relationship with them, and we had taken our youth group down on a mission trip to to visit them, to see what they were doing, and to begin a partnership. Maybe we we didn't know what God was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, four or five short months after that, we had gone to visit them, we were able to help support them come and visit us, and we did. Um, uh, we did we we set up meetings with them with uh, different people in our community we had a dinner where we invited uh literally it sounds like this is going to it sounds kind of race almost racist but it's, <laughs> it wasn't meant to be that way sure we invited the hispanic community of our town to come out and meet these mexican missionaries that were there visiting and we 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 set up we set it up at a Mexican restaurant where there was food provided. We kind of we had asked them to, if they'd shut down a little early and let us just have this event, and they did, and it was awesome. And our, then the next day, just for our church, we did like a luncheon after the church service. But they were a part of that worship service as well. And so what we saw happening happen with that was the people of our church began to know the name Martha and Jaime Amaro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of oh yeah we support these missionaries in Mexico oh yeah we 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 we've our youth group went on a mission trip last year, it was we support Martha and Jaime Amaro not we support these people in Mexico sure that already is the formation of a deeper footprint rather than a wider absolutely um, one of the things that the Amaros used to say when we were down there visiting them was. It's not enough for somebody, and here's kind of my third point, by the way, Josh. So I, I tried to segue into it, but I blew it. Um, we're really bad at that. We should, like, take a course on segue yeah. and transition. Like those Is there a course? things you drive around on, segways? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those things. So, hey, by the way, if you're out there and you know of a great course on, like, transitions or something, <laughs> would you send it to us so we can learn how to do that? Yeah, um, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Great. Um, and so – one of the things that they was they they said was, um, it's not enough for people to just send us money. Like it's great, we're missionaries. We need money. We we need to operate. We need to survive. We need to live. But we we would rather turn down a large sum of money for a group of people to come visit <laughs> and see what we're doing and form relationship and be close to us in that type of way. Meet the, the families and the groups and the churches that we support here, begin relationships with them. Uh, we would rather you do that than send us a check for a million dollars. And it, what he had said was, scripture talks about to taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. And we can taste and see that the Lord is good when we're actually there in the Lord's presence. But if we constantly say, I'm going to send this check down, I'm going to send this check down. I mean, maybe that's support and maybe that's your way of support and maybe that's all you can do. But 
I would also encourage you to consider that there is more that you can do. That that relationship does not start and end with the signing of a check. Relationship starts and end with conversation, with relationship, with being in community with people. Um, and so the the example he used was the old. I think it might be a Chinese proverb. I I, I could be wrong on that, but like you can teach a man to fish, or you can give a man fish. Mm-hmm. You can give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, or you can teach a man to fish and he'll eat forever. And so what, what they were saying is, you know, don't just send us the money so that we can eat. There's the, you know, I mean, obviously in, in a proverbial sense, sure. don't just send us the cash, come here and partner with us in whatever it is we're doing. And I, and we're going to not only have relationship, but guess what? You that come, you are going to grow in your faith hmm. as well. Um, you're going to find that you're going to find how Jesus wants to mold and shape you. My first mission trip, I never, ever, ever thought that Jesus was going to be wanting me to have such a passion for missions. And yet here I am. Um, so that that's, I guess that's my thought, Josh, like, you know, um, missions is something that, you know, I guess as we kind of, to, to kind of pull it all together and I want to hear what you have to say too, but like, yeah. you know, number one missions is not, something that we have a choice to do. Yep. We all have to. Um, number two, uh, when it comes to missions, we want to have a deeper footprint rather than a shallower footprint. Um, and then number three, you know, missions is about relationship and missions yeah. is not about that paternal. I'm going to solve somebody's problem by going, but by me going, I'm going to solve their problem. Sure. So, I just, but also, I want to kind of hear from you. I've talked a lot. So. No, I think that's really good, man. And I think that that point about relationship is is super good, especially because you know, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm an extremely relational person. Um, I believe in relational ministry. Uh, that is, you know, very much the way that I choose to lead as through relationship, you know, with my students, with my fellow employees, like coworkers, whatever at the church, all those kind of things. So I think relationship is super key, super important. And I also think, too, like not to bash people who give financially because that's a really important thing. Like without people giving financially, there's a lot of things that wouldn't be able to happen. But I also think sometimes it's easier to cut a check than it is to build a relationship with people. And so the danger is that we can cut a check and pat ourselves on the back and feel good about ourselves. But then it's almost as if we're just checking off a box on our like how to be a good Christian. Oh, give a check to the missionary check. Okay. I can come back to that later, you know, next year or once a quarter, whatever it might be. And Mm -hmm. so I think there's something challenging about building relationship, uh, with others. So that's, that's kind of my thought on there, but I thought you summed it up nicely, but Marty, hopefully, um, I know that you have to run here shortly, but, uh, I kind of had three things, uh, that I wanted to like bring up to you real fast, quickly, each one and just kind of get your opinion. Is that cool? Sure. All right. Yeah, do it. So one thing uh, while we were talking that came to mind is this idea of experience. Uh, g- doing international uh, missions specifically, I think, can aid believers in understanding that our experience isn't everybody else's experience. I think this yeah. is extremely helpful when we study theology as well. The world that we live in, in America, is not the rest of the world. We often think that 
our little section of America is what everything else is like. And that impacts our theology. But once we go somewhere and, and see other people and their style of living, their, you know, their lifestyle, all those things, um, that helps shape us. And we can understand why other people have different experiences with different perspectives uh, you know, on things like, for example, there are places we could go on mission where they don't even know what the heck Calvin's Institutes is. They've never right. been given a Wayne Grudem systematic theology book or picked up an <laughs> end, you know, or, <laughs> or never picked I'm up kidding. or never picked up like an, an N.T. Wright book or a Martin Lloyd-Jones or whatever it is. They don't have that experience and yet they are still Christ followers and to write them yeah. off is wrong. And so I think missions will will aid in our experience greatly um can i can i just say something really quick about that yeah uh so the big thing about that is is that you know you've seen and, and i mean so one, one of the churches that really has been it's not the only one so i'm gonna i want to preface this by saying that because listeners out there i don't want anyone to get mad at me uh but one of the, the churches that's done a really great job in spreading the gospel around the world is the pentecostal church and we've seen the Pentecostal church spread like wild wildfire over the last 100 years. So if you look at, and obviously this is all, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you look at the spread of the denomination that would, any denomination that would fall under the like Pentecostal uh, mindset, assemblies of God, those types of things, apostolic things, in the last 100 years, the growth that they've experienced worldwide has been exponentially larger than any other denomination across the entire time of history. <laughs> so now I'm just saying that as far as like a statistical thing, that's not like, you know, I, I mean, I, I won't go into like what that looks like at a discipleship level or how how strong of believers those people are. But that denomination has grown incredibly and one of the one of the things that they did that helped with that growth process was they brought the sort of Azusa Street style to those places that they were going and visiting and spreading the gospel of, which was good on one hand. But then on the other hand, Josh, as you were kind of talking about, it brought their experience as sort of the only experience mm -hmm. and sort of placed that in those locations. And so when you go to Africa, a lot of their churches you'll find there, for instance, are Pentecostal churches and you'll walk inside and they've, their, their church buildings look like American church buildings and their worship services have Western style music. Um, and some of them do a really great job in sort of incorporating the cultural area and like how, like the, what that, maybe what that music sounds like there. Some of them do a really bad job with that. And some of them don't do that at all. Some of them just throw out those cultural norms of the area that they're a part of uh, and, and, and ignore that. And I think that's a real travesty and a real shame. And so I want to recommend a book to everybody. Uh, we'll post this on our Instagram uh, and maybe on our Facebook and uh, Twitter and whatever else we wind up using. Maybe in the show notes we can post this too. Yeah. Um, it's not a cheap book. Um, I'm one of the first people that had a copy of this book while I was uh, in seminary. Ooh, it's called... fancy. <laughs> I'm, I, I like to make that comment. I was in seminary. Um, <laughs> so um, the book is called Worship and Mission for the Global Church, an Ethnodoxology Handbook. And wow. let this book, and it's by James R. Craybill, K-R-A-B-I-L-L. -L. 
And so what this book does is, so this is worship focused. Get, granted, I'm a worship pastor, so that's where I like, that's like sort of my bent on things. But this will go over like specific stories and specific places in our world where like what their actual worship looked like. And there's this, these people that went around and literally learned what those places and how those places would worship, but in their own cultural way, not in an American way. Yeah. So you may not, you might not hear the latest Bethel tune. You might not hear the latest, you know, uh, you know, whatever church tune that, that you love. You may not hear that there, but you might hear their own words that are Christ centered that use their own style, their own instruments, their own. And I, and I think that that missional mindset of sort of saying, we're going to partner with people is the, is the way that these stories, that's kind of where those stories come out of yeah. is it's a partnership. It's not a, we're going to, we're going to infuse everything we are into you until nothing that you are used to looks like you anymore. You're going to look like we do. We're, you're going to sound like we do. All of your musicians are going to play like us. Your pastors are going to preach like us. Your worship services are going to have our liturgy. It's not going to look anything like what you would culturally accept. But this book does a really cool job at kind of outlining some of those. It was like an awesome book. It comes with a DVD uh, or maybe it's just a CD of resources. It looks like software. So maybe it's yeah, DVD hmm. resources. Sweet. So uh, it's really cool. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I think it's just real quick, too, and then I'll stop belaboring this point. Uh, but I think it's extremely important, and it'll greatly help you if you realize that the overwhelming majority of theology that you read when you go to seminary or that you can find in bookstores or on Amazon or whatever, but just as, as history as a whole, the overwhelming majority of theology has been written by white, educated males. Yep, now, wasps. yeah, and and so that's not like, sh- sure, there's been amazing contributions. However, we have to get outside of our own experience and realize that people in different countries have things to offer. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I realize the irony of Marty and I being two white educated males talking on a podcast about theology. I get it. Um, but like, it just there's something about um, listening into other people's experience. Um, anybody who's not a white dude because they have an experience of God and and they have a reading and an understanding of, of scripture that might be different from yours but I think it's going to help us get closer to who God is uh, because Amen. he has created a diverse world and so I'll, I'll drop that um, just two things real quick Marty um, and actually perhaps we probably don't even have time for it so I'll, I'll cut out one of them and I'll just say one last thing um, there's a book that I was wondering if you ever heard of. It's called The Very Worst Missionary, uh, a memoir or whatever, by Jamie Wright. Um, have you heard of this book? I've not heard of this book, but I've probably heard of similar books along sort of sort of along the same lines. Yeah, so I think what might be interesting, and, and we don't have to agree to this. If anything, we can just share this with our listeners for the, those who want to look into it. Uh, this book by Jamie has uh, brought uh, much controversy which we're not afraid of controversy here at Theology Doesn't Suck. Um, But I think it might be worth reading. It might be interesting for you and I to pick up a copy, and then uh, perhaps Jamie will even come talk to us since we're doing this whole missionary bit. But she brings a perspective uh, that kind of hits on some of the stuff we were talking about earlier in the episode with, like, you know, white people being the saviors of the world, that kind of stuff. Some of, like, the logistical issues, some of the, like, sketchy stuff that happens within the realm 
you know, the way that churches do mission, she kind of brings light to some of that stuff. So it's offering yet again another perspective on this whole missions bit. It might be worth looking into. Yeah, and just one other quick thing on that too. There's an article that the Gospel Coalition has put out. um, And this again is a little bit controversial as well. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. It's not necessarily the gospel, uh, of course. Uh-huh. But uh, don't tell even the gospel it is coalition the that. Gospel coalition. Um, and there's all sorts of articles like this. It's not the only one, but uh, there's articles like this that are essentially why you should consider canceling your short-term mission trip. Um, and uh, some of those things go in different directions than kind of what we're talking about. But the idea here, guys, is that uh, as Josh kind of really put well earlier. Uh, you're not going to go on a mission trip and solve the problems of the places you're going. You are not going to show up in Mexico or Argentina or Panama or, you know, Ethiopia or South Africa or whatever place you can name, even even so-called Western-type countries like England and Ireland. You are not going to go there, solve their problems, and then be like, hey, great, okay. And especially you're not going to do it in a week. So my my suggestion for every one of us, first of all, in order to get that concept, my personal belief, you need to get up and you need to go. Yeah, you've got to you've got to go out and you've got to do something missional. It doesn't have to be international. It doesn't even have to be across state lines. It can be in your community. But before you can understand how big of a of a thing this is that we're called to do, you've got to go out and try it. You've got to go out and do it. Uh, and so when you get out and when you go out and you do these things and you see that this is a much bigger task than you thought it was, um, I think you're going to realize that, you know, the aspect of this idea um, that we as Americans are not the greatest people on the planet <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we also can't solve everyone's problems. I think you're going to start to learn. But I also think just the last thing I'll say on this, Josh, then we can wrap it up. Um, International missions teaches us about our own dependency on things. Yeah. And it, international missions also helps us to see how privileged we are as Americans. Sure. And how much greater we have it than we think we do. And we take for granted that idea. You really do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you because whether you believe it or not, you listening right now, in some way, shape, or form, at some point in your life, you've taken for granted the fact that you live in a privileged place. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my challenge would be go on an international trip, meet people where they're at, build relationships with those people and that are deep and, and real and, and something that you can follow up on in a way. Now in today's day and age, as long as they've got some sort of device, you can keep track of anybody across the entire world and know what's going on in their life and be a part of who they are, be a part of their family. Uh, and then I will also say one other thing, and this is going to be a little strange, but trust me, it's worth it. Take your kids on international mission trips. Hmm. Your kids will learn what it means to be in a different place. And I think there is nothing greater than children that begin at the early stages of life with a missional mindset. Yeah. Or the mindset that there's more to this place than their school, their home, and their video games. (laughs) (laughs) That, like, they have something to offer this world, and God wants to use them, and God wants to raise them up to think about what 
it, what this world needs. And I think if we think in a missional mindset as parents, we need to have our kids thinking in a missional mindset too. So take your kids on places like that. It's safe. I promise you, you it, they will be fine <laughs> as long as you don't just get on a plane and, you know, go by yourself to Iraq or something <laughs> like that. Like go with a group, go with people. Uh, there's great missions insurances you can buy. There's great ways to kind of be safe about the way you do these things, but go and try it. Uh, and take your kids along with you, and I think you'll find that uh, your whole family will view this place, this world that we live in, in a different way. Sweet. Thanks, Marty. Well, I guess that uh, concludes our time together today, dude. I appreciate the insights and you know everything that you have brought to this conversation. We will for sure be praying for you as you go on your missions trip uh, to Mexico. Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, if any, by the way, I just want to say this too, Ari, Josh. If anybody here like wants to give to a mission trip, I know that's like a super weird thing to ask and I'm not at all requiring it of you in any way, shape or form. But like I know for a fact there are people amongst my my group that are going that still have a little bit of funds that they need to raise. So like obviously you don't have to do it. You don't have to feel like you need to do it. But like if you just you're just like listening to this podcast and like you're saying like, hey, like I can't go on your trip. I love missions. I'm a huge part of like missions is a huge part of my life. And I just want to support anyone going that I can like you can send the theology doesn't suck uh, podcast an email. Uh, Josh will get you in touch with me or I will get in touch with you. And then we can just work that. out. I mean, honestly, like it don't feel obligated, but I just feel like maybe there's someone out there that wants to support missions in that way. So wanted to mention it. Sweet. Well, thanks Marty. So yeah, that's a great thing. Uh, in, in order to do that, you can contact us through our website. That's theology doesn't suck.com. Uh, click on the contact page. There's a form there. You can write us nice letters. You can uh, ask about how you can support uh, the work that Marty is doing and Marty's church is doing. Uh, but if not, there's other things you can do there. Uh, check out episodes. Uh, we kind of have a blog, but not really. Um, <laughs> we should probably start working on that. Uh, anyway, uh, theologydoesntsuck.com. We also, you can find us on Instagram at uh, theologydoesntsuck. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. And then also we have a Facebook discussion group. So if you want to talk about the things that you hear, uh, Marty and I do our best to try to be active in that group. Um, we have some pretty cool people in there already that have been active. Um, yeah. And so come and join the conversation. It's the Theology Doesn't Suck discussion group. Search that on Facebook. Uh, there's a little question that will pop up. Um, it's super easy to answer. Um, and then either Marty or myself will let you into the group and uh, we'll be happy to have you join us in conversation so with that in mind i guess we are piecing out for today marty what do you think i think so next time you talk to me i've been in mexico and back again so adios senores and senoritas and senoras (laughs) go caps go blackhawks